Welcome to the Property Voice Podcast, helping you to navigate safely through the world of property investing. Get the lowdown and updates, insights and outcomes on all matters property with a splash of entertainment along the way. The Property Voice, a voice to trust among the crowd. Now, let's get started with your host, Richard Brown. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown and as always it's a pleasure to have you join me again on the show today. Now today's content week, if you've been following the series, we've been having content week and then discussion week. Content has been a bit me on my own and then the discussion is me with some some special guests on the panel. Well, Instead of going one by one with each individual topic today, what I thought I'd do is is effectively collect together the final three of the 10 core competencies, property core skills, um, into one content share. And equally, what I thought I would do is we inevitably get into the discussion about how people look at these core skills themselves in the panel discussion. So I'm really just going to queue them up. So we're going to have a consolidated episode today. We're going to look at the three of the property core skills, uh, investment criteria and deal review being one, systems and processes being the second, and marketing and promotion being the third. And I'm just going to share some top-level thoughts on those particular uh, core skills, property core skills. And then over the next three weeks, we're going to have the panel discussions, and we're going to sit and talk about them collectively uh, amongst a group of us. And and that will probably bring out a lot more richness in terms of the, the content. So slightly, slightly different format, and obviously what it would mean is we'll have a couple less episodes to share before the end of the series. Now, I'll come back and I'll do the um, panel discussions over the next few weeks, and I may well come back after that and do some kind of wrap-up. I did say there may be another one or two bonus core skills. I may come back and do that um, in the wrap-up session. So we'll be getting towards the end of the series during the month of October, in other words. Right, so let's get into the content for today. And I'm, I'm going to rattle through it a little bit uh, because I kind of want to just set the scene really for these panel discussions. So the first of the uh, property core skills I'd like to cover off today is investment criteria and deal review. What we're probably noticing as well is there's a lot of overlap and crossover and uh, interconnection between some of these core skills. So, the, you know, the investment criteria and deal review would have, you know, overlapped some of the research and analysis, for example. Um, so there'll be other things like that that will happen. So there's a bit of overlap. But in terms of the investment criteria and deal review, there's three main components that I think are relevant. One is in pre-purchase. So before we buy anything, uh, we need to do some, have some criteria and undertake some sort of review of the purchase. So it helps, helps you know, make a decision, basically, pre-purchase. Then we'll have post-purchase review. So we've gone and bought the thing. Now, how is it doing? How is the property doing? So we, 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 we obviously make some criteria and have some measurements that uh, we go into the deal with. And then we're going to test that really by actually plugging, the, plugging in the actuals and comparing it to what we thought uh, would happen to kind of get this variance, if you like, and assess how good our judgment has been, how accurate our estimates have been, etc. So that's on an individual property basis. And then we also have the uh, regular portfolio review. So if you're lucky enough to have more than one property, then good good on you, you've got a portfolio. So 
I don't know if two technically classifies as a portfolio, but let's just say it does. And in the portfolio review, it's really looking at everything collectively and then looking at the bigger picture with your overall strategy and objectives and your life goals, et cetera, and then undertaking that. So in terms of pre-purchase, what we need is really it written down. We just need it written down. What are our investment criteria? Um, and that really should be in the form of some words so that we can describe it and some numbers so that we can measure it. That's it. So clear written criteria in both words and numbers so that we can we can talk to people about what it is we're looking for, what kind of strategy we're pursuing, what kind of property we're looking for, whereabouts it is, what sort of things does it need, characteristics does it need, for example, number of bedrooms or the property price and, uh, you know, transportation links, things like that. And in terms of numbers, how are we going to measure the performance? It could be, you know, a purchase price, which would be an indicator of affordability. It would be rent levels. So we've got yields. We've got our net returns, our net profit or net cash flow returns. And we've got return on our cash investment. There's some examples of how we could put some numbers in to measure. And once we've got those written down and we've got some targets or measures, then we can look at any individual property and we can judge it. Does this meet our criteria? Yes or no. And that helps us to proceed um, with making a good decision uh, to purchase an investment property. So that's pre-purchase. And as I kind of alluded to, so post-purchase, we don't just sort of give up. We keep tracking. So we, when we're going in to buy a property, we, we make estimates, uh, judgments about what will actually happen. So, for example, the rent levels and the costs We'll make an estimate and that's what will help us determine whether the investment meets our criteria or not. But once we bought the property, we need to then measure the actual position. What is the rent level we actually achieve? What are the costs over, say, an annual basis? And I know that there's a trap that people can fall into of thinking, well, I didn't have any voids this year, but I've allowed for voids, so I've actually made much more profit than I ought to have. Well, yes, of course, but you may have a void next year. <laughs> and the same is true with um, uh, maintenance and repair costs as well. So they will even out over time. So it's best to make provisions for those in your pre-purchase investment criteria and then to evaluate what has really happened post-purchase as you look uh, to own the property over a period of time. And this will help us to compare budget versus actual. And if we compare budget versus actual, it'll help us to learn for the next investment. You know, what? well, I thought it was going to be, you know, X uh, as a rent level in that particular area, but it's actually £50 less than I was expecting. And then we can bake that into our numbers for our next purchase, for example. So it helps us to learn. Um, also, one of the things to be aware of here is that, you know, do we get external input and advice to help us? If we're not, you know, expert in costing, for example, we might bring in someone to help us um, to, to understand how to, how to cost those things out. So uh, we may also need to bring in another kind of expert, uh, which is an accountant, for example, to help us record things. So bringing in external input and advice you know, can be, play an important part here as well. And then the third area is really about regular portfolio review, as I call it. So what I tend to do is have, uh, I have a review of my portfolio on an individual basis when there's key milestones. So I have all my properties, obviously, in the portfolio. And some of the key milestones would be things like um, a tenant changeover, for example. So a tenant vacates, we try, you know, do, do we put a new one in or not? Do, what rent level do we put them in at? 
Do, is it time to sell? These are the sort of cue questions triggered by the event, the event in this case being a tenant changeover. And you could look at the, a similar thing with a, a remortgage or your annual tax return. Actually, the annual tax return is a good time to do the entire portfolio review. Whereas a tenant changeover or a remortgage, they usually apply to individual properties rather than to the portfolio as a whole. So just use those trigger events or those milestone events as triggers rather, and uh, undertake some kind of review, either on an individual basis or on a collective basis across the entire portfolio. And the other key question to ask really at this point is what I call the three R's. So whenever you're doing your, your portfolio review, you've got the three R's. So what I tend to do is I, uh, I go back to my criteria and my targets, I'm tracking my actuals, and then I'm scoring or color coding red, amber, green, I'm either scoring you know, out of 10 say, or red, amber, green, um, you know, to say what if it's going well, needs attention, or you know, something in the middle. Uh, and then I will make some decisions based on how my portfolio is uh, performing. In fact, before I make any decisions, I'll ask some questions. You know, should I do anything about this? Is this still serving me? Is it likely to change? And, um, and, and I practice what I call the three R's at this point as well. So should I repurpose the property? into a different type of strategy, for example, changing the, the way in which it's rented uh, or from you know, rental to sale or from sale to rental? Should I release equity? Has there been sufficient buildup of equity in the property? Could I release some of that equity, perhaps by remortgaging and uh, invest that equity into another asset? And if so, well, what's the trade-off? Obviously, you have less profit on the one I've remortgaged, but maybe I could make more profit by releasing the equity onto a new, new property asset. So we're, we're always weighing the pros and cons and the trade-offs. And the third option really is to reallocate. So imagine we've got properties in our portfolio and let's say the equity is really, really high, but the yield is pretty low and, and the ROI as a result is pretty low. It might be, and I say might be because everything depends on your individual circumstances, it might be appropriate to consider releasing, uh, sorry, reallocating the equity. So it means selling the property sell the property and perhaps buy something else with it. So that's the three R's. So there, there we go, there's the investment criteria and deal review, three of the sort of component parts, pre-purchase, post-purchase, and the regular portfolio review. And um, we're gonna extrapolate that, I guess, in the conversation that you'll hear next week with the panel. So that was the first of the core property skills that I wanted to share today. The next one is systems and processes. So this is all about uh, how we do things effectively. And so we've got processes, technology and apps, and management systems. They're the three things I want to cover. You might have gathered I'm going to do groups of three. <laughs> it's easier to remember, isn't it? Groups of three. So processes, technology and apps, and management systems. So processes are how we do things. That's what a process is, how we go about things, how we do things. And what I mean by that is we need to consider things like prioritization work allocation, time management. How do we keep track of records and dates? They're the sorts of things that we need processes for. So we just think how we're going to do things, how we're going to set, set ourselves up, if you like, in business, you know, to prioritize what we do, to allocate our time and, and, our, and our work, and to keep track of things, records and dates as we go. And that's then going to point at some, um, some of the systems, if you like, or other types of process. So for example, we need to have a filing system uh, or a data storage system that could be in files, paper files. It could be in cloud storage, for example. Uh, 
We also need to think about our calendars. So setting up, you know, time blocks for when we're going to do things uh, to schedule our time, but also set reminders for key dates and events that are going to happen. We also need to consider work methods. So in, when I talk about work methods, um, I'm talking about things like well, planned versus preventative maintenance, for example, or it could be um, allocating our time during a working week, um, you know, and splitting that time between um, searching for properties, record keeping, personal development, and so on. So that's what I mean by processes. How do we do things? So we just need an idea of how we're going to set ourselves up in the first place. The, the next category really is all about technology and apps. Now, as, when people talk about systems, there's a natural tendency just to default to technology and apps. But actually, a system doesn't have to be using technology and apps. It could be a pad and a pen, a diary, a paper filing system. That's also a system. It's just not a technological one or not a very advanced technological one anyway. So, but you know, having that's really covered under the processes section. But when we move on to technology and apps, we're perhaps thinking, well, how can we utilize and use technology and some of the apps that are out there, applications? We all, we all say apps now, don't we? How can we use some of these applications and technology to assist us, make our life easier, may, maybe systemize, store, automate, you know, uh, trigger? You know, and remind us. That's the purpose of technology and apps, is to make our life more organized, to make it easier for us to manage. And um, I talk about using technology as an aid. And, you know, the technologies that you can have these days is, you know, traditionally there's like web-based solutions, there's PC-based solutions, and there's also app-based solutions or mobile app you know, base solutions for your mobile phone or your, your um, I was going to say iPad, but other, other, other tablets are available. So what kind of device is it going to sit on? Is it going to sit in the cloud? Is it going to sit on your computer, whether it's a laptop or a desktop? Or is it going to sit on your mobile phone or across all three? I guess the ideal would be if it's across all three, right? In addition to the, um, the, the using technology as an aid, we need to think about the platform, funnily enough. So not just web or mobile or PC, for example. We also, also need to consider what kind of um, technological operating system um, is our, are we going to use. And this, this is the point where everybody starts to have a bun fight about whether they prefer Apple, Microsoft, or Google um, as the sort of core platforms. They're the big three. Um, and a lot of, lot of technologies sit on top of their platforms or integrate to those platforms as well. So um, we've got Apple, Microsoft, and Google as applications. Um, some of those are cloud-based, some of those are you know, desktop-based, some of them are uh, uh, um, excuse me, mobile app-based as well. And then there's everything else. So you, you know, if, you, if you stick to Apple, Microsoft, and Google, you've got the major sort of investors, investment of technology behind you. But if you go to something else, you know, a startup you know, company, then you don't have necessarily the, the muscle of a Google and an Amazon or a, an Apple behind you, but you might have a bit more agility. Uh, you might have a bit of more customization uh, that goes into the technology that you're using. But equally, they haven't got the, the financial firepower and they may not be around for that long. So don't necessarily uh, rely on that and have some sort of backup system uh, or export system so that you are not, you know, if, if, a, if a smaller operator that you're tending to use, uh, whether it's freeware or freemium or, you know, paid for subscriptions, they could go out of business. 
what if they did? What would happen to your data if they did? So think about having backup, um, you know, offline storage and, and, um, and that kind of thing if you're going to wander away, particularly from the big boys. And then the, the three main areas, I guess, well, four main areas of technology to consider in property are probably property management systems themselves. So, you know, that's like how are you going to keep records, manage your properties, manage your tenants. Uh, accounting systems, how are you going to count the beans? Um, you could be, you know, um, could be receipts in a box that you give to your accountants at the end of the year. Uh, it could be an Excel spreadsheet. It could be a specialist form of uh, accounting software. General productivity tools to make your life easier. And there's a whole plethora of these available. Um, you know, things like floor planning. Um, you've got things like your password story systems. Everything, really, you can just think of. There's general productivity tools to make your life easier and get things done and move things along. And then you've got useful integration tools. The big two, I suppose, are If This, Then That and Zapier. And they, these are things that connect or help you to connect different platforms or systems together so that they can work together. Um, and then you don't necessarily need to rely on it being a completely Apple or Microsoft or Google system, although that possibly helps. But if you can use integration tools like If This, Then That or Ift um, or Zapier, you can perhaps connect different types of technology and different platforms together that way. So there's a cue there, probably spoken more than I intended to, but I just wanted to give a bit of a signpost in terms of the utilizing technology and applications. And then the third category, the final category in terms of systems and processes is around management systems. And, and this is really um, the detail of how we do things, um, the, the fundamental. So I'll explain and then it'll become clear. So do we do things ourselves do we work in partnership with others where we can split you know, the workload between, say, two partners? Do we insource or delegate? That's where we actually employ people, whether it's on a full-time employment basis or it's on a contract basis. Um, do we employ people within the business and delegate some of the uh, processes to those people? Or do we outsource or buy in resource from a third party? So that could be utilizing professional service providers like accountants, for example. So the question is, how do we want to set ourselves up? Um, do we want to do you know, the work ourselves or do we want to give it to someone else? And if we want to give it to someone else, on what sort of basis? Do we bring in a partner? Do we bring in staff or contractors? Do we use external service providers? So when we're, we're setting up our systems and processes, we need to think how we're going to do things what sort of technology and apps are we going to use? And how are we going to organize ourselves in terms of whether we do it ourselves or we give it to someone else in one of the forms I've just mentioned? So there you go. That's setting things up for the processes and system side of things um, in this um, pre-prelude to the discussions around the topic. Let's see what else comes out, by the way, in those discussions. And then the third uh, property core skill I wanted to run through today is marketing and promotion. So we've got three different core skills, as you can probably gather. Um, so looking at different dimensions of, uh, of this sort of um, landscape of property, um, you know, ranging from investment criteria through to systems and processes, now looking at marketing and promotion. So three different things to get your head around. I appreciate that. But I was also trying to buy some time here and consolidate these into one and obviously set up the, the conversation for when we get to, into the panel discussions. Right. Marketing and promotion. You won't be surprised. I've got three things on my list to share with you. <laughs> 
So they are sharing your story, um, marketing channels, and marketing content. Okay, right. So sharing the story, I, I actually say sharing your story with a purpose. So um, I don't think it's necessary um, for everyone in property to share their story. Um, there's quite a lot of people who do that, but I don't think it's necessary. I think when it is necessary is if you have a clear purpose to do so. So do you have a purpose to share your story and um, or, or not? Now, it might be, well, I don't really. I mean, I'm just investing in property. I, I don't necessarily need to share my story and really have a purpose or a goal to, to do that. So what would be a suitable purpose to do that? Well, one example could be if you're trying to attract external investment or if you're trying to attract clients. Well, it's two examples, obviously. So if you're trying to bring in investors or partners to work with you on your projects, or if you're trying to provide services to uh, other investors or clients, then that would be a purpose. That would be a purpose where you would share your story. Now, I'm using the term share your story, deliver your message, communicate, whatever you want to say, but I'm just using the terminology share your story with a purpose. So if you've got a, an outcome or a purpose or a goal, then sharing your story, uh, communicating is going to be important. And communicating is essentially marketing. And the things to consider really are who needs to hear your message, what do they need to hear, and then ask this question, so what, as a result of hearing it. So that's kind of a call to action. So who needs to hear your message? What do they need to hear? And what is the call to action or so what, the answer to the so what question would you like them to undertake? And once you, once you know the answers to those questions, it's going to make your marketing and promotion activity a lot more um, focused, actually, and straightforward. And the only other point I've got here is, is that, you know, if you are sharing your story with a purpose, you're starting to make people aware of your story and obviously you or me, whoever. So, but you move along this um, continuum from starting at one end of non-awareness to awareness to building some kind of authority and then taking action. Because the purpose results in taking action. But you can't just go straight to taking action. You need to, you know, generate awareness. Put your hand up. You know, this is me. This is what I'm doing. Come and say hello type of thing. That's awareness. Authority is, well, actually, you demonstrate through your messaging uh, your capabilities. And, it, and by demonstrating your capabilities, you start to build authority. And so people then look at you in a way that goes, do you know what? That's right, I, I can trust that person because we're moving from knowing them to liking them potentially to trusting them. And once we start to trust people, once we understand that you know, they are in a position of authority, we're more likely to take action and move towards them, perhaps you know, co-invest with them, perhaps buy their services, etc. So that's the, uh, in summary, <laughs> sharing a story with a purpose. Um, uh, bullet point, if I can say that. The next one on my list is uh, marketing channels. And that's just a fancy way of saying, how are you going to communicate your story? So where are you going to talk about it? Uh, and, and, and it's not just talk, obviously. It, there could be lots of different mediums. And in fact, let's start there. The medium you use should be the medium that is a natural strength for you to use. So if you're really good with written words, then, you know, then your medium 
of choice should be where there's a lot of written words. We write things down and people can read those things. If your, if your strength is um, perhaps talking, then uh, you've got a couple of choices. If it's just talking, it could be an audio-based you know, sharing, a bit like this, uh, and, um, a podcast, for example, or an audio book. Um, but if, if you, you know, you got the, the, the face for the camera, then maybe it could be video where you got talking and visual aids, etc. And of course, there's other ones as well. So if you're really good at sharing graphical content, then, you know, look at places where you can share the graphical content. The point being is to focus in on the channels where the media suits your natural strengths and natural tendency, at least to begin with. And I would focus on maybe one possibly two um, channels uh, which lend themselves to uh, your strengths to get going. Uh, over time, there's nothing wrong with potentially expanding that. And if you look at someone like Gary V, for example, he talks about repurposing content across multiple different uh, channels and platforms uh, so that you're actually reaching lots and lots of different people through different types of channel and media uh, as a result. But when you get going, I would suggest that's too much. And maybe you should just start with, you know, maybe one key area, get good at it, get confident in it, master it, and then add another one. So that's that. And in terms of the marketing channels themselves, they kind of boil down into a couple of different categories, if I can say that. So you've got things that you can find on search engines. Okay, that's the first category. Search engine optimization. And that's basically you, you kind of Googles and your YouTubes. Um, you can look on YouTube, you can look at Google, basically owned by the same people, and you can actually do searches and you can find stuff. So the, the point there is you master things called keywords. So if you've got keywords that is searchable by Google, by YouTube, then they consolidate that and they present that when people go looking for stuff. So if you're hitting the right notes with the keywords um, in your uh, content, then, you know, then you've got C key, search engine optimization or SEO can help Google bring people to you. So search engine optimization is one. So basically Google and, and YouTube, but master the keywords is the point. That's the first category. The second category is social media. Social media is everywhere these days. It's all pervasive. So you've got things like Instagram, you've got Facebook, you've got LinkedIn, and you've got Twitter being the main ones. There are others. People are going crazy over TikTok at the moment, for example. Uh, I'm not really fancy dancing in front of a camera, to be honest with you. But anyway, lots of people are doing that. Um, so, of course, we had Snapchat and things like that in the past. So they can sort of come and go. But some of the big players are Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And they've been around a reasonable period of time in technological terms this is uh not not like multiple decades but they've been around a while and they're they're they're, they're well backed and they're probably going to be here for a while longer yet so there's social media channels and then you've got things like i guess i'm calling it distribution platforms so these are these are platforms that aggregate or collect together different types of content of a similar nature and really the big two mm, you could argue there's, there's a couple of other ones. The big two are Amazon and iTunes. So Amazon, you've got all the books, you know, on various formats, by the way. So you've got paperback book, you've got Kindle book, and you've got audio book. So you can see that there's different types of ways to consume a book on Amazon. They also do podcasts, by the way. And uh, on iTunes, of course, iTunes 
do a lot of podcast content. But you can find podcasts on uh, Spotify as well. Uh, I won't even mention Netflix at this point because I don't necessarily think that's something that, you know, the average Joe is going to get into Netflix anytime soon. But you can see an emerging trend for um, consuming content as you go, subscription-based content uh, through platforms such as Spotify and Netflix um, and others, you know, that are coming forward. But, you know, you probably need a big budget to get onto those sort of platforms. So you've got the distribution platforms. That's the next category. And then finally, you've got what I call people-to-people um, engagement uh, or, or channels. So you've got large events for one-to-many types of sharing, and then you've got networking, which could be one-to-many, but more more regularly, one-to-one conversations. So if you can meet someone at a networking event, you'll probably have a conversation, maybe just two of you together, perhaps a small group of people. So, um, so you know, live events or in-person, rather, um, events uh, such as live events and networking. So there's some of the main um, marketing channels that you might want to consider. The, B, the, the key word being, key word funny enough, now the key word being stick to your, your strengths, certainly to begin with. And then you've got marketing content. So we know right, what's our purpose of sharing our story, where are we going to communicate it, that's our channel, and what are we actually going to share? What is our message? What are we going to say? Um, and that's marketing content. And here's just a few ideas, really, if you, if you haven't thought about it already. So again, there's a few um, categories. The first one I'm calling personal. So the personal category. So that's literally talking about our own story, our progress, uh, our journey in property, case studies from actual projects that we're working on. So it's everything to do with us, us as people uh, and our projects. Personal. The next one, I guess I'd call topical. So it's not directly about us, it's topical. So what's being discussed on forums? What are the current news stories and trends? Um, talking of trends, what does Google Trends talk about? What are people interested in? What are they searching for? There's other platforms, Ask the Public and BuzzSumo, that you can get those kind of trends as well. So um, what's topical? What's current? What, what are people talking about? What are the buzzwords, literally? That's another type of marketing uh, content that you could look at. And the third one, there's more than three, but you know, I just wanted to keep it simple for the purposes of this conversation. The third one is what I call content curation. So content curation is just a fancy way of saying collecting together different types of content, perhaps from different types of people, uh, and presenting that. So uh, a good way, uh, uh, one of the obvious ways of doing that is interviews. So a lot of people do um, podcasts, sorry, a lot of people who do podcasts you know, often start by interviewing other people uh, because it's not your own content that you have to produce. You just have to get good at getting enough people to come on your, you know, podcast or your platform, could be could be video-based, uh, and interview them and ask them some really good questions and you get some really good answers. So uh, you don't need to be an expert you, to do that. You need to be good at um, getting people to show up effectively and then ask them some good questions. So interviews are a good one. But equally, you could do reviews and recommendations. You could do tips, trips, <laughs> can't even say it, tips, tricks, and hacks, for example, and how-tos. So, you know, curate different types of content from other places, consolidate it together, and push it out through your channel or your platform. So there we go. So that's marketing and promotion. So that may or may not be relevant to you because if you don't need to share your story with a purpose, you're probably thinking, I don't need to know about this, Richard. <laughs> but actually, just one small word on that. 
if you are a landlord, you do actually have an audience and your audience are tenants. So you might want to think about that in a slightly different context. One might want to think about marketing promotion in a slightly different context. I've positioned this particular share insofar as attracting perhaps investment or clients. But equally, you could look at this from an attracting a tenant point of view as well, or a buyer if you're selling property. And then the, the same rules apply. You know, who needs to hear my message? What do I want them to hear? And then answer the question, so what? apply for um, to buy your house or to rent your house for example what channel do i want to go through well i've spoken about some of the ones for marketing and promotion you know of content point of view but there'll be other ones if you if you're marketing or promoting a property you know things like spareroom.com or you know rightmove are examples they're channels and then what content um, do you want to share? In this case, it's possibly, you know, relevant content about your property, you know, pictures and descriptions, for example, um, you know, fly-throughs, those sorts of things too. So don't don't think, ah, this, this particular one's not for me, because actually it probably still is. It's just coming at it from a different angle. So there we go. Um, I wanted to do this sort of consolidated share today because I'm trying to catch back a lot of time. I've got an awful lot going on at the moment. Um, I've acquired three businesses already this year, and there's the fourth one. I was hoping I could say something on this podcast, but can't quite. Um, but we're certainly shortlisted, I can just say that much, uh, with another one. So there's an awful lot going on, and I'm just trying to consolidate some of my time. And equally, I wanted to set things up so that we can get into the panel discussions over the next few weeks, and the more richness of conversation between different people will probably be able to build upon these uh, property core strengths a little bit more than I've shared today. So I hope that's been useful and interesting and helpful to you to have it um, joined up in this way in this one particular episode. Um, I hope so. Uh, I'm just going to do some wrap up now, really. So the show notes are going to be over at the website, thepropertyvoice.net. As always, you can reach out to me, podcasts at thepropertyvoice.net. If there's anything that's provoked your thinking on this particular episode or you want to talk about anything in property, uh, I'm here um, to hear what you have to say. But I guess aside from that, all that's left to say right now is thanks once again for listening to the Property Voice this week. Until next time, it's ciao, ciao. Thank you for listening today. Now head over to thepropertyvoice.net for more inspirational content and get updates through our mailing list. Join us next time on the Property Voice podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes.